Davis are looking to get close side of Fox. LaFondra away from Davis. 3-1 running. Three points running. This is not going to be a fun one to record. Uh, welcome to the Elm Park Reels podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Blue Collar Street Food. And yesterday was a pretty dismal day, if you follow Reading, in all honesty. Uh, I've been joined this morning by Andrew, who was at Coventry yesterday. It's, it's not, I'm not even going to ask how you are, Andrew. It's just not good, is it? It's not. And the only good thing that came out of it was it took me just over an hour to get home because of where I live. It's literally the only enjoyable part of the day. Yeah, that is one of the few positives of Coventry yesterday, Matt, is at least I wasn't still driving home at God knows what hour. Yeah, I could actually get some fish and chips and a pack of cookies from the Sainsbury's to just eat my sorrows away. So, yeah, it, it, it was a crap night, whatever way you look at it last night. Yeah, at least we weren't driving down the motorway for four hours whilst feeling that bad and I could cry myself to sleep in bed. So, it yeah, it's been pretty dismal. As, as, as days and evenings go, yesterday was not a good one. Reading lost 2-1 at Coventry, but that probably wasn't the main story of the day because every other result in the championship has gone against Reading in the relegation battle. Uh, we'll go through those in a bit. We'll go through the Coventry game. We'll touch on, you know, the fact that maybe it's not 100% over yet. Um, and we'll come on to some questions at the end as well. Matt, yesterday's lineup, obviously with Carroll out suspended and Nolan went back to the well with, with Kelvin Erhabishman um, and also brought Kamara into play on the left-hand side instead of Fauna. I, I feel like those were probably quite predictable changes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we discussed it on, on the way in um, and pretty much thought that, you know, Kamara would come in for Fauna because he was quite ineffective in the first half against Luton. Um, and Kamara looked like he had some, something about him, a bit, bit of energy, a bit of spark. So it kind of was a natural natural change. You've got on now a natural winger on that side as well, whereas Fauna isn't. Um, and Eha Bishman, you know, coming in for, for Carroll, it's kind of what, what we have to do right now with um, with uh, with with Carroll out for, for two games, you know, and it just, it brings that frustration of his of his stupid red card kind of even more forefront, you know, and be without him against Wigan as well. Um, two of the plus sides, at least, at least you had Tom McIntyre and Shane Long back on the bench. Um, so how much they'd be able to add to our survival hope? That's a question to be asked. I know um, Hunt said after the match that, you know, Long was a bit of a risk still. So he's probably not 100% fit. I just hope and pray that we can get some of the others back fit because, um, yeah, you know, you don't want to sound like Paul Lintz, but we've got quite a few key injuries at the moment. It's good seeing some of the kids playing, but, you know, if we can get Yakumate, Tom Ince back playing for, you know, the last couple of games, that I, I don't think you can state how much that will give a boost to this team. Yeah, I would much prefer to be seeing these academy players in a situation where we weren't battling relegation, ultimately. Um, the start of the game, Andrew, I I mean, I'd love to say that Reading did anything at the start of the game, but Coventry just blew us away in the first half, really. I mean, it, it, nearly the entirety of the first half, I think, was all Coventry. And yeah. 
I don't necessarily um, think this is because Reading played badly. No, they're just a better team than us. And that was obvious, like you say, from the first whistle. And, you know, the lead up to the first goal, there have been enough warning signs before it actually went in with the way we were defending. And again, um, even though we look more positive under Hunt going forward at the back, it's just a, still an open door policy, isn't it? Three you go, go and have a chance, see if you can score. And, you know, at some point, if we are going to get anywhere near staying up in, in the next two games, we've got to do something about it because we are just letting teams cut through us again and again and again. There, there was a big element to Coventry cutting us open yesterday, though, and that was the high line that Reading decided to play, which at times seemed suicidal when 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 every single pretty much every time Coventry came over the ball over the top to Jokeres, no matter if it was going right or left, Jokeres seemingly was there every single time. And I mean Yeardham, Holmes, Guinness Walker just had no answer to him. He was breezing past them. Like whenever whenever they were able to get back and actually front up to to Jokeres, Jokeres would just stride past him, bully past him, you know. Um, but I think He's a Premier League player, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's like, he's the best player I've seen in the Championship this far year. Too, far too good for like, Coventry City. Well, that Coventry team was good. It was really good yesterday. But Jokeres just took took them to another level yesterday. Um, like I say, his pace, his strength, his 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 movement, just around the back. Because, like I say, he wasn't. It was almost like he was playing left, right, and um, or left, right wing and striker all at the same time, even though they were playing a two-up-top formation. He was absolutely everywhere. But uh, but so much of it was due to, you know, the high line that, that we were playing. Um, and it didn't change at any point through the game. And, you know, um, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not Hunt's fault that we're in this situation, you know, um, because of him. But, you know, you look at that high line yesterday and it's probably one, one thing you might look back at and um, change if he was given the chance, because it was just, it was suicidal at times. I mean, their first big chance does come because of this high line, right? The the, the ball gets played from kind of halfway inside Coventry's half. And it's literally just a ball, which is pumped long, um, kind of over, well, not over the top, sorry, but it, it's in between the, the two Holmes defenders who are holding the line. I think it's Yeardom and Holmes. Mm. Yeardom's got no idea that Jokeres is there. Literally, I, don't th- I don't think either of them. Either no. of them have any idea actually what's what's behind them there. Um, it, you know, it's and... so fast the way that Coventry produced this attack, and all of a sudden, Jokeres is in on goal from thirty-five yards out. Uh, Lumley comes out pretty sharpish, in all honesty, to close the angle. And actually, I think Lumley does a good job here. To he doesn't even let Jokeres get the shot away initially. Uh, before then. Jokeres manages to turn like as he gets up to the goal line and, and Lumley kind of slips and Holmes manages to get back and make a block. But I mean, everything you said about the high line, that, that literally just highlights exactly what the problem was with it yesterday is that Jokeres could just get in behind straight and away. There, 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 was, there was four or five other opportunities like that through the game. You know, Lum, Lumley does well to smother it on that occasion. Um, you know, it, it, seemed, it seemed like yesterday... It was interesting watching the defence again. Um, I messaged a Coventry fan after after the game, and he said he was impressed by by the defending and by the defending. He, he thought like last minute blocks, and it was like, 
I thought the defending yesterday was 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 shocking um, at times, you know, highlighted by by those chances in the first half. What they did do well was getting back and getting in those last minute blocks. It was almost like the last ditch defending was good, but the actual defending as a whole was shocking, if that makes sense. You know, like they were able to get back and willing to put their bodies on the line, put in big blocks, um, kind of, I guess you can say when it mattered, but the actual defending to stop it getting to those points. I mean, realistically, you don't want to be last ditch defending like that for 90 minutes because otherwise you're going to be, you're going to be pummeled as we were. Um, but, um, but yeah. And I think the thing is that both their goals came from repeated last ditch defending. It was blocks mm. that then fell to Coventry players that then went in. And that that's exactly the issue, Matt, isn't it? The fact that basically we were hanging on desperately and yes we did do a good job but we shouldn't be putting ourselves in that position we were inviting one of the best teams in the division to come and have a go and see what they could do and they did and yeah all right it was only 2-1 but none of us would have been surprised if it had been 3 or 4-0 by half time because the difference between the two teams attack wise was just unreal yeah i think yeah. i said it's Matt about half an hour in that if Reading got to nil nil at half time then they've absolutely like robbed Coventry mm. in that first half because it was it like it was like watching a League One team versus a championship team that first half. Um Coventry score after 35 minutes, Andrew and it's it's a goal like which basically everything that we've just discussed, this goal pretty much highlights because Reading managed to get a block in from a, a cutback cross from the left-hand side, but it falls to a Coventry player who takes another shot, which is blocked, falls back to another Coventry player who manages to knock the ball into to Godham, who's kind of just been left on his own about 12 or 13 yards out, I think. Um, and it's a good finish by Matty Godham for the goal, but it, like seemingly none of the Reading players know he's there. And he, he's he's all he's really had to do is finish it, which yes, it's a good finish, but it's just kind of it just felt a bit desperate watching that go in. Yeah, and the thing is, you could sort of see that Lumley barely moved for it as well, and it was almost like it was inevitable, and we could all feel you could feel at that moment we were all all the people around me were sort of get it away get it away get it away and it had become like we say that desperate level of defending and it forced to go on the edge of the box and you just knew as that ball fell you knew exactly where it was going we could all see it coming and it was almost like the players as well were like oh, here we go again and I think more we need to sort of say well how many times have we seen a goal like that conceded especially in away games this season it's just the number of times things like that have happened it's it's just so frustrating because it's one of the reasons we are where we are yeah uh, that's one of the questions that we'll come on to at some point around like how much of it's tactics and how much of it is player performance but um it it like we said, it, it should have been more than one by half time. It almost was, Matt, because the counter attack that Coventry produced from one of our few attacking moments of the first half, once we went one nil down, it, I, I don't. I genuinely, I don't know what to say about it because of the fact that it was just like we we have a corner, 
and about 20 seconds later, Coventry hit the post. And it, as they attacked, I was watching it thinking, oh, we're going to concede mm-hmm. and we're going to go in tunnel down from our own corner. And that is just like, it just, it was awful to, to watch that go like that way. Yeah. And, and again, how many times this season have we seen, you know, being countered from, from our own set plays like that? You know, um, it, it's it, it just highlights the problems with this team defensively. You know, it's not just been this season. You know, last last year we had one of the worst defences in Football League history, you know, um, without exaggerating. Um, and this year, it's, I feel bad to say it's better. It's like trying to polish a turd when you say that the defence has been better this year. Um, but, but, but yeah, you know, like the the way this team is exposed sometimes defensively it's it's shocking it's really really shocking and yeah how how we only went in 2-0 is yeah like 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 well, the no. only positive you can say really at the end of that first half was at least we're kind of still in the game you know we we're, we're only a goal down we 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 only need one piece of magic you know from wherever it comes from and you know uh, it proved to be the case early in the uh second half obviously when when we did get when we did get back into the game yeah fauna comes on for kamara at half time um and, and basically it's a straight switch with with fauna going into left wing slot i guess we could we can discuss the academy players performances yesterday andrew what did you think of kamara uh air bisherman aziz the the I guess we we were trying. I think the the official Twitter account said it was the youngest eleven that we put out all season. Yeah, I mean, what did you think of the the academy players yesterday? I think the thing is they all showed in moments why we've got high hopes for all of them, but the level of consistency just wasn't there. I mean, how many headers did Kelvin win at all during his time on the pitch? He did some good stuff with his feet on the ball. But it, I don't I, think I, he won. Telling you, it was a, it was about zero. Yeah, um, <laughs> when it was a contested header, it was about zero. Right? Exactly, and it got to the point just before he was sub where he he wasn't even going up for them. And um, you know, he did some other good stuff in and around the box with his feet, and I was impressed with that. But overall, it wasn't a great performance. And a similar was Aziz Kamara. Both of them did some good stuff, but it wasn't consistent. And the problem, obviously, is. In that situation, uh, it's not those players, and it's not their fault, but it's not those players we need to be relying on. We need the more senior players to be stepping up and throwing a load of academy players into a relegation battle. You know, most times it's not going to come off well for you. Occasionally teams do manage to do something with it, but most of the time it's not going to do a good job. It's, t- it's the tactics of a desperate club and a desperate squad, isn't it? You're going to throw mm. players in who've not ever had the experience of, of senior football because maybe they can do something. That's that's really the only reason you're going to be doing it because what, they're what, players who've put you there in the first place. What I would like to flag though is the like it's not it's not like Hunt's come in and he's deciding now just to play the kids over the senior players. The fact is we've not got senior players to play in those positions because of the injuries that we've got. You know, we, we, we're almost now relying on the youngsters so we're not playing square pegs in round holes, you know, which we've complained at for a lot of the season. 
at Ince, you know, for, for, for doing that through the season. You know, we're not trying to play Fauna out on the wing. We're trying to give a youngster, you know, that opportunity, you know, to actually play in his natural position and to have a natural winger there. And and Ehibishman as well at top, you know, of course, you know, and well, it's, 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 it's why I say coming into the final two games, if we can get the likes of Ince and uh, Mate back, you know, people might not be as on Ince's side after obviously his dad got sacked. But my God, how much we could do with him in this team and in this relegation fight now going forwards, because I mean, the kids not trying to bash him in any way, because as, as Andrew, you said, you know, you could see in moments why we've got high hopes for them, but, but they aren't the championship. They, they, there aren't exactly. Right yeah. And you can see that the quality is still slightly lacking, you know, on, on, on their front. But when you look at them, Kamara's what, 18, Ehabishman, 18, 19, you know, they're not, they're not seasoned championship players. So you can't really expect them to come on and I mean, Ehabishman be like a Lucas Shaw. Yeah, for most of them, and, I mean, Kamara is his, maybe his fifth game in senior football. Mm. Uh, same for Ehabishman. Mm. Aziz has got a little bit more experience. Yes, you get a bit more out of him. But, like, again, you're, you're, you're putting players in the situation where they, they don't have... They don't have a choice but to perform. And ultimately, if they don't perform, the, the team isn't going to win, unfortunately, because we have multiple players who are playing you know, senior football for the first or second time and that is just not going to end well if they don't perform. And unfortunately, as you both have said, the quality and the enthusiasm is there in patches. But it, they've like, got they've got all the heart and you can see they want to run, they want to do well. And they're also all very direct, you know, um, they're, they're wanting to, to, to perform and play well. But, you know, it's, the issue it's, is as soon as you compare them to an actual championship side in commentary yeah. yesterday yeah the, the difference the gap was, is there yeah, yeah and i guess one of the other biggest things is is that because the injuries we've got we don't really have you know difference makers to actually now come on instead you know you bring off kamara for fauna who's not a natural winger you know um ehibishman actually i guess you could say long but long it was you know half fit probably you know at best yesterday you know so it, it's you've not really got, you know, an ints to come on over over them or a mate to come on over them and to really kick on, which again, that would probably help them because at least they know that, you know, they've got someone behind them that if they don't play as well as they probably want to, they've got someone of championship calibre to come on and to make that difference. Yeah, so Fauna did come on at half-time. Um, he provides an assist about five minutes into the second half, Andrew, for, for Lucas Zhao to, to equalise. And this is kind of what we've been missing for so much of this season is, is Lucas Yao producing something out of nothing, really. Yeah, and it was an absolutely fantastic finish. It was instinctive. It was a classic Yao goal. Gets the ball and quickly gets it out of his feet and before anybody's really had a chance, is in the back of the net. And the thing was, it was, you know, we had started... Uh, the second half pretty well. We had managed to keep hold of the ball a bit better. And I do think Fauna does deserve a bit of credit for that. Um, it was brilliant finish by Zhao. And the first thing I said to my two boys who I was with, now for goodness sake, we need to keep this tight. We need to make sure we don't concede in the next couple of minutes. And then... Yeah, that, that was uh, great, great foreboding there. 
because it took us out get andrew in the dugout i say (laughs) (laughs) i think it was about it i mean after you take away the goal celebration it must have been i don't know 90 seconds after kickoff match it 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 was yeah it 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 was no time at all. I mean, we were still chanting Lucas Shaw's name. Um, you know when 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 the next goal goes in. But I just want to add something on on, on the Zhao situation because it's just like yesterday just highlighted the the frustration of Lucas Shaw this season. The fact that he's not played you know for the whole season because w- whether people like him or not, I know Ince might have been biting his nose off to spite his face or whatever the saying is but like he's just our best striker he, That's the end he's our it. best striker and he's one of the best strikers in, in in the division you know and the fact he hasn't played all see or pretty much for for large parts of the season is utterly criminal you know and it's it's, it's really sad because we probably won't we won't see a striker as good as Lucas Shaw for quite some time I don't think many Reading fans probably actually realize how good of a striker he is quite frankly, because he's he's always the first to be scapegoated for his work rate or his, you know, his, his, his uh, mentality. But at the end of the day, you want a striker to score goals. And Lucas Shell does that time and time again. He's proven that here, you know, how good of a striker he is. And the goal yesterday was just fantastic, as you said, Andrew. Vintage Lucas Shell from the edge of the box, instinctive. But yeah, you, you then move on, like you say, 90 seconds later and it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if you've got Lucas Zhao in your team. If you can't, if you can't then, you know, defend what once, once you have given yourself a chance, you know, we, we, we gave ourselves a chance in that moment. And this, this, again, the, the defending goal, is shocking. Honestly, this goal is a, a fucking shambles of a goal. I think Hamer runs in from about 35 yards out off the wing, basically. Completely unchallenged. Cassidy needs to bring him down. Cassidy tries to get close to him, doesn't really manage to put in a tackle. And then he's just he just wanders towards the penalty area, plays like a meaningless through ball that Saab basically handles anyway, as he falls over onto the ball. Would have been a penalty, I'm I'm ninety percent sure, if if it doesn't fall straight back to Hamer. He basically has a simple finish because Lumley's then off balance because he's moved one way because of the because of the free ball. Well, um, and also he's, he's got all the space in the world because Holmes decides to go for the same ball that Sars going for. You know, you've got you, you've got your two centre backs ball. I, well, I wouldn't put that one on Sars to be honest because you know at least he's actually made the block and interception. You could say obviously there could have been a penalty that resulted from it, but what Holmes is doing there, he's he's just absolutely he's sleepwalking about. And yeah, it is just shambolic all round. It feels like after this goal as well, it feels like you have to throw people forward, you have to go for it, you have to try and get back in the game. And I mean, I think we tried, Andrew, to do it. We tried to go forwards, we tried to create chances, but we didn't. Ultimately, I think Reading had one chance to score, really, like one reasonable chance to score before the end of the game and that was it there was a lot of their goal was 65 minutes or something or 55 minutes and after that we had one shot yeah there were a lot of cutbacks into the coventry box to straight to a coventry defender who rather than as we had panic and lump it away would take a moment on the ball find uh someone on their team who was in space and then they'd move it back forward 
I, the number of times we managed to get it out wide and get it across, but either A, there was nobody in there, or if there was, there were three Coventry defenders and just Jow. Um, I think the biggest chance we probably had uh, in that period was when uh, Long, uh, and I can't remember who else it was, both went for the same ball and ended up squashing the Coventry defender. And he was, he was down for about 25 years. Um, and again, that was just symptomatic of both of them making the same run, trying to get the same ball. And if one of them had got on the end of it and had knocked it back, uh, the problem would have been that nobody would have been there to knock it in. And that, to me, that was the issue again and again and again, that um, we all seem to be making the same run. We all seem to be doing the same thing. And it just wasn't clicking. Yeah, they're all, they're all very instinctive to be able to get the first ball, but none of them actually play off of each other. They don't play as a team, really, do they? Because none of them seem to have played with each other particularly, um, unfortunately. I think Zhao had one header uh, maybe 10 minutes after their goal. He's he's put it, I think it went just just wide or just over, Matt. Just Zhao over, header. yeah. yeah. And other than that, I really can't think of a, a moment, you know, which we even challenged the keeper particularly. Um, Don't forget uh, Tom McIntyre's looping shot from 45 yards out. That was uh, it was a glorious moment in the history of Reading Football Club. Honestly, I'm sure yeah. that 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 will go down in the annals. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> but like yeah. I think I, I think one of the biggest points though is that this this team has kind of lost its its ability to to score more than one goal. You know, we haven't scored more than one goal in a game since since we beat Blackpool at home back in February you know, run of 11 games. And when we're conceding goals at the rate that we do, you know, you're not going to be winning games with 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 one goal, one goal leads. You know, um, it, it's it's a sad thing with this team, um, you know, and it's and it's like, like I say, what once once you go, you might get it back to 2-1, but the minute it goes 2-1, you just lose all hope because you don't think there's going to be two goals in this team anymore. So, yeah, um, um, I think let's move on to that. Was I don't know what that was adverts out of my screen for this championship table, but that's fine. We'll move on. Um, let's look at the other results from yesterday because they were dismal as well. And they let's be honest, we look at QPR somehow won. Andrew, I, I don't know how to explain this result whatsoever. Um Apart from the fact that Burnley have virtually wrapped up the title and seemingly since they got promoted, um, all the talk was about them smashing our record. But actually, since they have confirmed going back up to the Premier League, they seem to have dropped right off. It's the only thing I can think of that they know they're up. They know they're probably going to take the title and they just seem to have switched off. I mean, they couldn't even beat us and everybody beats us. Uh, everybody does beat us, unfortunately. Um, of course, that wasn't the only bad result, Matt, because not only did QPR win, but Cardiff didn't lose. It's against Stoke. Blackpool won away at Birmingham. And even Wigan won. Yeah, which makes next week's game against them a lot a lot more tasty. I think, I think a lot of people had kind of, you know, penciled in that, that Wigan game potentially quite wrongly as you know as a as 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 an easy win 
you know, but the reality is Wigan can still stay up at this point. They've got something to play for next week. Um, but I think yesterday it's, 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 it's important to like not as, as, as kind of disappointing as the performance was yesterday, we were playing a very good Coventry side. You know, we weren't really going there expecting to get any points, to be honest. You know, we, when we looked at this run of games against Burnley, Luton and Coventry, if you'd have said, if we can get two points in those, in those three games, you'd probably would have taken that, you know, and it was, it's not been what's happened on the pitch for us in the last three games that has kind of, you know, got, got us where we are right now. You look at some of the, the results that have gone against us and that that's what it was yesterday. The results that went against us yesterday have utterly crucified us. Um, and to be honest, you, you look at some of, some of the results across the season as well, not trying to make it sound like, you know, the world's against us, etc. But when you look at some of the Huddersfield wins, 20% possession, like three, four shots, and they win a game. And the same again yesterday at QPR. <laughs> you do start to think when those, when those results go against you, it's it's not your year, you know, and it's our year that we will be going down. That's it, isn't it? It really starting to feel like everything conspiring against us because obviously... Uh, in the coming week, you've got Rotherham and Cardiff. And although Cardiff are pretty much safe, we kind of need Rotherham to win that game. So Cardiff have got something to play for against Huddersfield. And we're just, it's not just Huddersfield we're relying on now. There's lots of other things going on. And we need to make sure we've beaten Wigan to stand any chance of uh, going into the last game with any sort of hope. It's just, the last time I felt like this was. Uh, just before the final game at Elm Park, when uh, we did obviously get us, uh, we were relegated. And it just feels inevitable. You can just see we seem to be slowly sliding back into League One obscurity. Yeah, well, like you look at, it, it, it comes back to kind of how much can you pin on us actually getting two wins from the final two games and when you've not won in 11 games and you know, not one, like, like, like we might well, you know, we might well beat, beat Wigan, who knows, because we're relatively okay at home, but let to win back-to-back games and an away game. Let's go so, through yeah. some of these scenarios because ultimately, yeah, yesterday is very, very disappointing. It does probably introduce the fat lady on stage, as it were. Um, they aren't, they aren't relegated yet. However, much we all and let's be honest everybody listening probably thinks Reading are going to go down and it, it feels very inevitable football is still got to be played like still two games to go they could do it I'm not saying they will I'm not saying I even really think that they have much of a chance but they could um let, let's go through the the kind of the late fixtures here in the season obviously Reading are playing against Wigan next week We'll work on the first scenario. Reading beat Wigan, Matt. If Reading beat Wigan, they'll be up to 46 points. They'll go above Huddersfield because Huddersfield play on the Sunday against Cardiff. If Huddersfield pick up less than, what would it be? Two two points. If Huddersfield pick up less than two points then in their games against Cardiff and Sheffield United, Cardiff uh, away, Cardiff at home. Cardiff at home. Away. Cardiff away, Cardiff Sheffield away. United at home. Cardiff away and Sheffield United at home. If they pick up less than two points, we'd go into that last day needing not to lose. It it, it feels like maybe that could happen. Um, 
However, there really isn't any other way. The only other way that we could go into that last game above Huddersfield and not needing to win is we draw next week and Huddersfield lose against both Cardiff and Sheffield United, Andrew, which we're, we're looking for other teams really now to, to start doing us favours every game, basically. Yeah, we are. And um, the thing is, I'm a lot more worried about Wigan, like Matt was saying a minute ago, a lot more worried about Wigan than I was because actually Wigan could beat us, send us down effectively and give themselves a massive chance of staying up. And, you know, they have been picking up a few results recently and we just haven't. We have just, you know, I long for the days pre the World Cup when everything seemed so rosy. And since we've come back after the World Cup, it's just been utterly, utterly awful game after game after game. And we, you know, again, it almost reminds me of the second season in the Premier League under Koppel where at Christmas it looked like things were okay and we were pretty safe. And then we went on an awful run and got relegated. And I just, with that scenario, even if we get to the Huddersfield game where we only need a point, do I think we could take that point? way things are at the moment, honestly, probably not. Yeah, I, that that does feel like what the situation is. I, I think it's unlikely we're going to get relegated before the final game. The only way I could really see it happening is, as I discussed with, with Matt on the way out of Coventry's ground yesterday, is there's definitely a situation where we could win next week, but Huddersfield could get, you know, a point against Cardiff. Um and then we basically would be almost down if Huddersfield then beat Sheffield United. And we would be down basically, you know, essentially down without even playing, which feels like well, that could, could happen as well. Well, if we, got, if we got a point, we could still overtake QPR with a win on the last day and a QPR loss because QPR would then be three points within, within reaching the goal difference. But again, you're again now we're relying on... A lot, aren't we? We're asking for a lot, and again, we're we're asking for an away win, which doesn't happen. You know, I, I I think I heard a stat yesterday that if we actually lose, if we lose away at Huddersfield, I think we will either equal or better the most amount be our, of losses in yeah, the championship equal, away from home. It's going to be our equal worst amount of away losses in a season ever if we if we lose against Huddersfield away. Which, is it just us, or is that in is that in the championship? As, I think well it's in the, the championship, championship as a whole as well. But it's going to be Reading's worst away record in terms of um, losses as well if we lose at Huddersfield, which is miserable. Um, so that was meant to be the optimistic section of this podcast, looking at you know how Reading can get out of relegation. There is ways they can do it. And I feel like you know if you're listening to this at home thinking everything is doom and gloom, most of it is, unfortunately. But I think by next Saturday, if you're going to go to the game, if you're going to support the team next week, you almost have to go in with a little bit of hope because otherwise, you know, what's the point? What's the point in even watching? I think ultimately that that there is there is there is still hope. You know, one one win next week against Wigan is a necessity and is a must. But if we do get that win, it gives you a lifeline at least. And, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, QPR have won away at Burnley. Huddersfield have won at the likes of Borough. So it's not impossible 
you know, and if you are thinking about going, just go to the game on 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 Saturday at Wigan and back the team as much as you can. Do do what you can do as a fan for that game. And it's at home, which mm. you know is really, really, really important because obviously, if it wasn't for, especially at the start of the season, the fantastic home form we've had, we'd have been relegated ages ago. Can I can I ask you a question, Andrew? Because I asked Alex this question on the way back yesterday, um, so I know his answer. Um, obviously, we've got the last game of the season away from home, but the penultimate game of the season at home this year. Would you like it that way to give us the hope going into the last game? Or would you rather have the away game first where we could potentially already be relegated and the last game not matter? See, that's a really interesting question. And I would say... In a way, I would have probably have preferred the home game to be last because, you know, we might sneak something out of the away game. But like we've all just been saying, we kind of feel, or even if we do manage to beat Wigan and manage to get the three points, and even if we are above Huddersfield, which may not be the case, obviously, but, you know, it could be, even if we are, all of us will be going with that sense of impending dread that, you know, the last time uh, we won away from home wasn't like William the Conqueror King or something like that. It's just been far, close, far sure. long. Yeah. And so in that way, I would rather ha- get the away game misery out of the way first and then have the home game to go to. Yeah. But as with I this season, nothing's gone the way we wanted to, has it? No, I, I said the exact same answer, Andrew. Yeah, um, I think we're I all in agreement. I think I said it on the basis of if we're going to get relegated, let's just get it over and done with. Um, and the chances are the away game is the one we're more likely to lose. So I, I just I went with that one as well. Let, let's let's fire off some questions that people have sent us in. Um, there's some fun. Yeah, fun's the wrong word. There's some good ones. Apathetic um, questions. There's some, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Cronesy asks, is this our least, and I know the answer to this already, is this our least talented set of midfielders in the last 20 years? And is that the biggest reason that we're probably going to go down? Andrew? Yes, yes. Is that the uh, correct set of answers? I think, I mean, if you look at some of the midfielders uh, we've had in the last sort of, 10 years who could replace you know yesterday my thought was what we would give to have Ollie Norwood in the middle there at the moment doing something creative and the thing is I think the problem we've had a lot over the last couple of years is we've had a lot of very good industrious hard-working midfielders but they haven't really had that creative spark to help us score some more goals and when we're conceding by the bucket load, it, it, it's difficult. So I would say the answer to that is probably is the least talented and probably, you know, that is definitely one of the reasons because we are just unable to create regularly from open play. I I agree with Andrew 100%. This is a, a central midfield at the very least. This is a ver- definitely the least talented set we've had. It. They're all loan players. No, nobody who the club owns, which is probably probably a good thing considering how little talent there is there. Um, I mean, you only have to look at like how many games this season have we felt like oh, Reading have dominated the midfield today. I could count it on one hand. Um, I'm not even sure you can count it on one hand. I think I, I, I can only think of maybe 
maybe one maybe blackburn at home that's that, that, that that's the only game i could say this season really that's been dominated and you could say that the midfield has been poorly set up and poorly coached poorly tacticked etc but they also but, don't play well yeah exactly so that, that and that kind and of leads on to, this kind of leads on to the next question uh matt gary asks have the players got away with it due to the anti sentiment this season because yesterday was really bad players can't pass five yards can't win throw-ins when it goes up the field uh and kind of the less said about players like Hendrick, the better. Um, they might have got away with it slightly due to the anti-ints agenda, but kind of I think we summed it up on when, when, when we were going out of the stadium yesterday that, like, to be honest, I'm not angry at the players this year. Um, last year and seasons gone by, I've been fuming at the players. Um, and quite frankly would drive them off a cliff if given the opportunity to make sure that they're not in this Reading team anymore. I don't kind of feel that sentiment against a lot of the players in this team. Um, and I kind of feel had we have been set up a lot better through the season, like I do feel like that we could have got more points this year. When you look at moments in the season, you know, you look at that string of three draws in a row against Hull, Bristol City and Birmingham those games are looking absolutely criminal now. And that wasn't on the players. That was on Paul Lentz and his simply woeful, woefully inept tactics. You know, so I, I I, don't... Yes, they have slightly, I think, because more more view has been on Paul Lentz. But I, I'm, I'm not coming out of this season with, with a vendetta against these players. And I think, like we said earlier, the effort was definitely there. And as we said with the academy guys that played yesterday, they worked really, really hard. They showed moments. And actually, you know, like we were saying about the number of defensive blocks we were making, the players were really, really trying yesterday. They really put a shift in. But unfortunately, at this level, really putting a shift in is not going to be enough to stop what keeps happening. And I think uh, the issues at the club are much, much deeper than just the players. So, you know, like Matt said, maybe you could say they've got away with it a little bit, but actually the malaise within Reading Football Club is much, much deeper than this particular squad of players. And uh, as shown over the last couple of games, with a bit better organisation and coaching, maybe we could have been further up the table than we are. I agree. Yeah, I mean... I think I agree with both of your answers. When you look at some of the games earlier in this calendar year, especially, we look at games like Cardiff away, Sunderland away, and we're playing for a point. The players aren't the ones who are setting out necessarily to play for a point there. And then we get we get hit with late goals against us. And you think, well, if we tried, maybe we would have won this game. Uh, and ultimately, like I feel, I feel like, you know, yeah, the, there is definitely players who haven't played well this season, no doubt about it. But I don't think it's necessarily the players who are, you know, to blame. Well, they are to blame to an extent because ultimately they're the ones on the field. But it's it feels like it's not quite the same as last year when, when definitely you could see and feel that the players were not playing. They didn't want to be there. They weren't trying necessarily as much. I think the best way to sum it up for most of the season is that the players have been set up to fail. 
on numerous, on too many to count even occasions, they've just been set up to fail. Um, and can you really put that on the players when they're set up to fail? No, because ultimately the manager is there to actually, you know, set the tactics, coach them to do what he wants to do. And that's just been, you know, completely devoid from this season. It's been nowhere. Okay, next question. Paul Dawson asks, out of 10, how much have we been riding our luck over the last few years in terms of not getting relegated? 10. 11. Last, yeah. Like, 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 like last year, whatever way you look at it, last year, ultimately, we should have gone down, even without our six points deduction. You know, Derby, without their deduction, would have been safe and we would have been down last year. So whatever way you look at it, last year was 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 lucky that, you know, that we didn't go down. Um, and I think even when you look at seasons before that and some of the teams that went down, the points totals that was needed, you know, I look back to 17-18, we stayed up on the final day of the season with that draw at Cardiff, where Cardiff just didn't even seemingly want to play football for 90 minutes. Yeah, I'd say 10 or 11, as Andrew said. And actually, you know, it has been coming for a very long time, barring the freak season under Stam, which... Uh, even though obviously we got to the playoff final, let's be honest, there were some horrendous moments in that. And obviously the uh, season where Bowen steered us to safety, this has been threatened for long enough and long enough. And we've been one of those teams in and around the trap door season after season and have got away with it, got away with it. It was going to come. It was going to. We couldn't keep just, just surviving. Might still just survive, just to add that back in. Um, you know, just just keep loving the positivity, Alex. Um, loving it. Well, someone someone has to have some tiny semblance of uh, hope, don't they? Chris Lash asks, "Will League One really be all that bad, Matt?" And I'm going to answer this one first God. because I think there is. There is a few different answers where we can where we can look at this. One of them is that, no, League One necessarily won't be all that bad. Reading have been there before. Yes, you know, fans can be upset that we're going down with whatever the stupid amount of money is that we're in debt. It ne won't necessarily be terrible because ultimately if the club still exists, we're still able to go and watch the club that we all support. That, you know, whether you're a fan of Reading does it matter to you whether they're in the Premier League or League Two? You still want to go and watch them, I would hope. Um, I think that's that's one view. I think there's a second viewpoint, which is we've now been in the top two tiers for twenty years, twenty yeah, twenty years, right? Um, and a lot of the fan base at this point have never seen us play in the third tier, myself included. Like I think I've seen one game in the third tier, that, and that's it. Um, you have never watched any games in the third tier, Matt. No, nope. Andrew, you have. Uh, so I'll discount you from this. But a lot of our fans have never watched third tier football. Mm -hmm. it, it's going to be a bit of a culture shock, I think, going yeah. from you know grounds like Coventry, grounds like Middlesbrough, these you know thirty thousand all seater stadiums, and all of a sudden next season we might be playing, you know. Carlisle away at Brunton Park in December and it's we're sat in a stadium which holds 8,000 people is 120 years old however old Brunton Park is um, 
and it's going to be a big culture shock for fans. Get used to terrace standing. I think that's 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 one of the biggest things as well. And it's it's not. I mean, it's it's not even just that, is it? It's it's everything to do mm. with League One is completely different. International breaks go. We get yep. every weekend. Do you have to play in the Papa John's Trophy against Chelsea under twenty ones? There's going to be less. First people. round of the FA Cup. First round of the FA Cup. There's every chance that we could get knocked out by a Kidderminster again. So. I think it really is going to depend on partly to do with your age, um, how bad you think League One might or could be. Yeah. And I think ultimately when you when you look at it, I think the first point you said was very important because as like as bad as things might be, as long as you've got your football club there to go and watch on the weekends, that's a big, big thing. I know a lot of people are probably sitting there listening saying, well, what if Dipole's out? We'll like we'll maybe come on to that in the summer at some point because it's not a topic yeah. we're going to get into right now. But yeah. what, 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 what I also think though, like that, that aside is league one going to be that bad. Um, ultimately I think like, like I think it will like, well, well, no, I don't think it will be. I know it will be, you know, because like next, next season, if we do go down, there's not going to be a bounce back straight away. When you look at this squad, as you said, we've got no midfield, we will have again about nine, ten players left in contract because you've got a lot of players out of contract this summer that will be going. We, we we're going to have an absolute shell of a squad, and not a squad that's going to be able to challenge for playoffs. The likelihood is the best we could probably get next year could well be mid-table. That puts you in the realms of Bristol Rovers, Cheltenham, Exeter Cities. You know that that is pretty depressing, you know. So so all this talk about like will League One be that bad? Oh, we can go down and rebuild. Yes, we can go down and rebuild, but we will be there. We, we will be in League One probably for at least five years. I I think you know I can't see a way that we get back get out of League One in a couple of seasons. You look at your Sheffield Wednesdays, your Ipswiches, yeah, all of them that have been down. Even Sunderland were down there for five six seasons. You know, it, it's it is the toughest of tough leagues to get out of. And ultimately, do I think actually probably there's more chance of us being in League Two after after that five year period that I'm talking about? I'd probably say we'd be closer to League Two than than, than the Championship as things stand at the moment. So is League is League One going to be as bad as people think it's going to be? Yes. I do. Like anyone that thinks that we can just, or th- th- this whole narrative of, oh, do do a Sheffield United, do a Southampton, I just get that image out of your head because you're you're living a pipe dream if you're thinking that. In in my opinion, and the last time that we went down to League One, um, we were a really well-run club that had just moved into a new stadium. We had Medeski at, at the helm, and even though. I remember it. Even though we went down, we still had the grounds for optimism. It still took us a few years, yet another playoff final defeat, before we got ourselves back into the championship. We haven't looked back since. But we are not in that well-run, stable, moving forward position that we were there. We're an absolute basket case. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And I just see... It's going to be like when I first started supporting us when I was six, where we were just mid-table, League One, possibly hanging around down near the bottom, possibly going down into League Two. And crowds were 
dwindling and part smell of piss, everything smelled of piss, and it was just a horrible, horrible experience. Um, but it clearly got me into supporting Reading, so, you know, maybe it'll work for other people. But I just think it's going to be a real grind. It's going to be something that um, it's going to take a while to turn round. We haven't reached rock bottom yet. And I know, like you said uh, earlier, Alex, we m still might not go down, but, you know, if and when it does happen, I think it's going to take a long time to turn it around. Buy your season tickets, folks, now. It's uh, going to be a fun 23-24 season. Um, yeah, you're both right. It's it's going to be a long turnaround if and, yes, when we probably do end up going down. Uh, we'll just finish on one more question, shall we? Uh, Adam Humphreys, Matt, he asks, what did we do to deserve all of this? <laughs> what did we do to deserve this? It's... Oh, dearie me. Um, I mean, to be honest, we talked about it before, didn't we? Actually, it's kind of, you know, is this punishment for us going up under Zingarevich back in the championship? You know, like, is it actually, well, like, like uh, a lot. I've, I've said this quite a lot over the last few seasons with, with Dai and his actions. And I think Reading is just a very classic example of be careful what you wish for, because even though people probably won't like to admit it now, under Medeski at the end of his first time in the Premier League, and obviously when we went back up, so many fans were complaining at him, oh, he's not putting the money in. We need an owner with more money that's what got more funds. Like what Sorry? you wouldn't give what you wouldn't give for like owners like Preston or Millwall have got where they, they don't spend a lot of money and yeah. ultimately they run themselves pretty much just sustainably. Self sustainably. Yeah. You know, which you know, Bowen has talked about, but he's got a lot of questions to answer for for this season. You know, uh, we're not gonna go into them today because again, they are there's a lot of them that he's got to answer for. But I think a lot of it is just a case of be careful what you wish for, because you know what we'd die to have John Medeski back, you know, running the club sustainably, you could actually see a club philosophy, a future. Whereas with die, you've just got an idiot with too much money for sense, you know, that could end up, you know, pulling the plug ultimately, which would just be catastrophic. And I think, you know, the, the thing is that we have been in decline ever since the moment we got promoted into the Premier League because mm -hmm. we made a terrible stab. Uh, yeah. Apart from that brilliant January, we made a terrible stab of staying up. And, you know, really, we've not looked anywhere near close to getting back since playoff final, regardless, you know. Um, that team wasn't ready to go into the Premier League if we'd have somehow beaten Huddersfield. I still but, would have taken Premier League, though, and the money and the kind of security. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree. I'm just saying it would probably have been just as uh, painful as the last time we got relegated. Um, but, you know, we've been on this slide and like Matt just said, it's the uncertainty that I think is worrying so many of us. We don't know what is going to happen in terms of the ownership structure or anything like that with going into League One. And I don't want to mention, obviously, other two clubs that... <sighs> have been involved with uh, the family who own us. But, you know, that is at the back of all of our minds, what's happened to them. And it, it, it's just it's just a really depressing time to be a Reading fan. And it's also that many other fans 
uh, of other clubs uh, gleefully enjoying the fact that this is happening to us because they feel like we've been cheating over the last few years and it we deserve and we it and it's coming our way. Ultimately, we have been cheating over the last mm. few years. Uh, what what, 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 what I would right. say, though, it's not just the last few years, as Andrew said, it's been 10 years of it's 10 years mismanagement. Of it, it's 10 years of mismanagement and managed, managed decline. That's basically what it is. Just, you know, gamblers rolling the dice again and again and again and not ever winning and finally going to lose. Um, yeah, it's it's just shit. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll nah, not talking necessarily about the football club just yet, but um, the podcast will be back during the week. We'll look forward to the Wigan game. The uh, there's there's two events this week. I, I think maybe the event with Tom McIntyre and Tom Holmes might still have some tickets left. Might have to check on the former players association site, association site for those. Um, that will be an interesting event if you've got tickets for that. Mark Bowen is speaking at Blue Collar on Wednesday with a star event. That will be an interesting event, and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll we'll kind of give some thoughts on that at some point over the next week on both socials and probably on here. Um, other than that, Matt and Paul will be back during the week for a preview podcast for the Wigan game, which, let's be honest, is the biggest of must-wins. And if you've enjoyed today's pod... Drop us a five-star review because at the minute it feels like it might be the one small, you know, light at the end of the tunnel that at least people enjoy listening to this when we're doing terribly. Um, If you've got to the end of today's podcast, thank you very much. And we'll speak to you all very, very soon. Cheers.